Good morning again. Gosh, y'all band pulled up a, off a country song really good. Thank you, Michelle. Good job. Well, how important were family vacations to you when you were a kid? Pretty important for most of us. How, may, how important are they now to you as a parent or just as an adult? Well, according to Expedia, 2022 is going to be the year of the goat, the greatest of all trips, with families planning to go all out on their family vacation. We are craving a glimpse of the world beyond our backyards. Expedia says that uh, 76 more people plan to travel this year than with their families than they did in 2021. In 2017, there were 300 million family trips. There are going to expected to be 376 million in 2022, which represents a 25% increase. Now, family vacations have been around a long time, but they used to be exclusive to the very privileged people. But after World War II, vacations really hit their stride with the middle class. Maybe some of you will remember this commercial from uh, the early 50s. Take a look at this. America's asking you to call. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA. America's the greatest land of all. On a highway or a road along a levee. Performance is sweeter. Nothing can beat her. Life is completer in a Chevy. So make a date today to see the USA. See it in your Chevrolet. How I many of y'all remember that? I do. Hey, that's better than I thought. Anybody over on this side? Not going to admit it? Oh, this row right there. I, I knew that row would. <laughs> that's good. Anybody know who the singer was? My gosh, y'all are good. Uh, you don't get to answer, John. You know all, you all, anything music related, you know it. Yeah, that was a fun, fun thing. Well, that was such a key part of the growth of the vacation world. In your history, you remember the 1950s generation after, after the Great Depression and after, the, or after World War II, it had this generation of new parents who saw the family togetherness as a symbol of security in the wake of very uncertain and uh, just a, a time of upheaval. And so after the war and after uh, the Great Depression, the United States experienced tremendous prosperity. So you add that post-World War II prosperity along with this new thing about giving employees paid time off for vacations, which were still lagging far behind Europe on that, and unprecedented car ownership like Dan, Dinah Dina Shore talked about, and then the newly constructed interstate system where road trips just took off. Now, according to Bill Ingvall, the comedian, from the road trip came air travel. Bill said this. In 1903, the Wright brothers invented airplanes because in 1902, they took a road trip. 
across the country with their family. Well, last Monday, as I was thinking about the teaching for this Sunday, I texted Daniel and Devin, our two boys, and I said to them, because it was the 4th of July, happy 4th, my topic Sunday, July 10, is family vacation. Want to write it for me? And they didn't want to do that. So I asked the question, what do you remember about our family vacations, good and bad things? So from their memories, I want to give a few spiritual lessons today. And the first lesson is this. Uh, don't ask a question if you don't want an answer. <laughs> good and bad. The second lesson is this. When it comes to family vacations, it really is the simple things that matter. One of the responses that Devin gave is this. So much gas station candy and Dairy Queen ice cream. On our road trips, we would stop every few hours at gas stations to get Devon candy and at Dairy Queen to get uh, Daniel ice cream. And Denise and I got something at both stores. <laughs> so it was a great trip. But it would turn an eight-hour trip to Tyler, Texas into like a 10-hour trip because we would stop so many times along the way. Road trip snacks, so very simple. It's so very fun. You know, it doesn't matter how old you get, going to the store and buying road trip snacks ought to create in you a feeling like you're a nine-year-old old kid who's just been given a $100 bill. It's so exciting to have road trip snacks. Devin also said this about our vacations, getting to a hotel, and the first thing we do is put on our bathing suits and run to the pool. The simple things. We did some exciting big things on our vacations, and they were fun. Denise and I loved the museums and art galleries more than the boys did, but they appreciate them more today. But the whitewater rafting and the, the deep sea fishing and the jet ski riding in the Pacific and uh, whitewater rafting in Colorado, some big things and great things, but the first thing that the guys mentioned, their most memorable gas station and Dairy Queen. They've got eating issues like I do. <laughs> so my lesson to you is this. We all can't afford European trips or even road trips, but maybe we can still have good times. Maybe we can still make the most of things because you can build memories around the simple things that accompany you on family vacations. The second lesson I want to leave with you is always be on the lookout for surprises. One of our big Cape vacations was in 2002, and we went to uh, Los Angeles. We wanted to go to uh, Six Flags there because they had, at that time, the biggest roller coaster in the nation. We arrived at Six Flags and saw that they were closed because of some kind of a construction deal. So look for disappointments, yes, but also look for surprises. When we were in L.A. and walking around the Hollywood stuff, there was this big crowd of people. We had no idea what was going on, but there was a big buzz. So we wanted to be a part of it. I had no idea what it was, but we wanted to be a part of it. 
So we sat in some portable bleachers that had just been constructed for this event. There were maybe a hundred people or so there. And then from the loudspeaker, we heard, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the cast of Men in Black 2. And so we all high-fived each other and thought, my gosh, what a surprise this is. And there we looked and, and we saw, you know, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith before the slap. Uh, <laughs> He had a whole different reputation in 2002 than he does in 2022. Dang, that's 20 years ago, Nisi. That was a long time ago. And then, after we heard them speak and all kinds of things were done, everybody that had gathered on those bleachers were, were invited to go to the premiere, which is right down the street where we were at the, at the Regency Bruin Theater. And I gosh, I thought, my stars, are we not the luckiest people in the world? But what I took away from that is that we all like surprises. And some of those surprises are bad, some are good. But I wonder if life is filled with surprises, if I only had the spiritual eyes to see them. I don't have this on the screen, so write it down. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, written by Jeremiah. It's a, a book of lament. He just, Jeremiah battled with depression, and he expressed such honesty in these. But in one of his higher moments, he came to realize something, and he wrote this, God, your mercies are new every morning. Your compassions are new every morning. I want to live that way. I want to get up in the morning and just know, waiting for me out there are some mercies, are some compassions. God, make me awake. Awaken my eyes to the surprises of your mercy, the surprises of love, the surprises of goodness. It may not be as good as Tommy Lee Jones, but I'm open to the surprises. And then, a third lesson I learned from the boys' memories is this. Always pack your sense of humor because six flags may be closed. There will be disappointment, always. So pack your sense of humor. Now, traveling with family is supposed to be fun. But it does not always end up fun. It can lead to some stressful and tense situations. In my own life, it seems like most of the stressful situations in my world of vacations always centered in the context of camping. Camping is nature's way of promoting the motel business. <laughs> For me, the art of camping was getting close to nature while getting away from cool rooms <laughs> and hot showers and flush toilets. And uh, my camping career was very limited. Our, our first camping experience was when I was a kid, and it was a one-time experience. Now, Dad bought enough camping equipment to last for a lifetime of camping. But after this experience, all that camping gear went into the attic, and we never got it out. 
when they moved from uh, the home I grew up in to a smaller place before they before they died, uh, we found all that old camping equipment, and it brought back a lot of pain. <laughs> and I was so happy to get rid of it. But one of the experiences that we had on this particular camping trip is this. We found this really good place, lovely place to pitch our tent. Now, tents in those days were made of canvas that was as thick as an elephant skin, and it held heat like an oven. And we found this beautiful spot in this area, and we couldn't realize why nobody was there because the area was packed out except for this one spot. Aren't we lucky? It was so lush and so green. Well, we later found out that night that we are, had pitched our canvas tent over the septic tank. That was not leak-proof. So we got up early in the morning and packed that tent, undid that tent, and loaded up the car. And we all got in that uh, town and country Chrysler station wagon and took off. And Dad, I don't know why he went this way, but he drove along the river, and that was a heavy car. Everything was heavy back then. The car was heavy, the tent was heavy, I was heavy, oh, we were all heavy. And that car just sank in the gravel bar. And the more Dad pressed the accelerator, the deeper that car sank. And the deeper that car sank, the more tense became the atmosphere in that car. So we all got out of the car, and like we do, we just looked at it, <laughs> and it was just bad. And my younger sister, whose name is Patty, she was uh, seven years younger than I. She was about four years old at the time. She took uh, a temperature of the uh, atmosphere there, and she said, we have such a happy family. <laughs> And we all smiled and we all laughed. <laughs> now, while no one really felt too happy, Patty, in her four-year-old wisdom, maybe that's why a, ch a child will lead them, reminded us of two things. First of all, Patty reminded us, and I want you to always have someone to remind you of this, that at our core, we are a happy family. At your core, you are love. And at your core, you are joy. And at your core, you are peace. Because you are the temple of love. You are the temple of God. That is who you are inside. Circumstances happen, however. Cars get stuck in gravel bars, and we pitch a tent over a septic tank in life. And those circumstances can cause us to lose connection with our true identity. Patty brought us back to that. We at our core is a good it was a good family and a happy family and I kind of miss it Doggone it. Uh, second thing Patty taught us is that happiness sometimes is a choice. 
And sometimes the choice to act according to my identity and according to who I am in love and peace and goodness is a hard choice to make. And sometimes it just takes my will. I love this passage from Psalm written by David. This is the day the Lord has brought about. We used to memorize this. We did memorize this in King James. This is the day the Lord has made. And the idea of bringing it about is it, it kind of makes it almost like a creation. You start with this and you end up with that. And then David says, we will be happy and rejoice in it. Now, the Hebrew grammar of that word, we will, is not a command and it's not a suggestion. It's somewhere in between a command and a suggestion. It is less than a command. It's not a command. We will. And it's more than a suggestion. It's a third way, somewhere in between. So I'm not sure how to apply that. It is a choice. But God's not commanding us to be happy. He's not giving us an order to be happy. But he's giving us more than a suggestion to rejoice in this day and find something good in every day. And uh, I'm trying to find that balance right now of actually how to do that. And I've, I'm discovering it by seeing not just the God in me and the love in me, but I do it by seeing the, the unity of all things and the shared identity with all things, all of creation. We are all connected. And if I can find beauty in one part of connection or one part of creation, it helps me see beauty in an ugly part of creation because we are all connected. Another memory from Daniel about this very thing about find your sense of humor. Uh, Daniel stated his memory very simply, the mosquitoes in Galveston. It was another camping trip. This time on the beach in Galveston with Denise's parents who uh, live in Tyler, Texas. You know, they say everything is bigger in Texas. And it is. I love this. We lived in Texas when I was in seminary at Fort Worth. You know you're in Texas when you see hair like this. That is so true. Everybody had hair like that in Texas. And that is kind of the way it was. Everything is bigger in Texas. Even the mosquitoes are bigger in Texas. Mosquitoes were just evil things. And uh, they wait until you are almost asleep and feeling secure under your bed sheets. When you hear that irritating, annoying buzzing. And that night, as Denise and I and, our, and my in-laws and her two sisters and their husbands, her in-laws, brothers-in-law... We were all sleeping outside, and her parents and our young kids at that time were, uh, was Daniel outside too? He may have been outside. I think he was. They were in the camper, and uh, one mosquito came, and we heard the buzzing, and that one mosquito called his friends <laughs> and say, they, they said, the buffet is here. <laughs> and pretty soon there was an army of mosquitoes. And they were the mosquitoes from hell because 
we would lift the sheets over our heads to protect our face, and they would be biting through the sheets. And all night long, you'd hear on the beach, just all of us as a family slapping these mosquitoes. Now, the next morning when we woke up, we asked Denise's parents, Don and Betty, how'd y'all sleep last night? And Betty said, we slept pretty good, except there was this one mosquito. <laughs> so one mosquito versus an army mosquito. Now, the next morning when we did wake up, the mosquitoes were gone. I guess they just went off and probably went and took a nap. I always like to take a nap after I eat, so that's what they did. And then we told the story about the, the night of the mosquitoes. What lesson do I learn from those mosquitoes? Number one, I learn, and I want to learn this in life, that there's always someone going through something more difficult than you. No matter what I'm going through, somebody is going through something with more stress, more pain, more consternation. Don and Betty had one mosquito. We had thousands of mosquitoes. I've got one problem. I've got one pain. I've got one fear, one source of anxiety. But I talk to people every day whose shoulders are just burdened with anxieties and stress. And that mosquito story helps me understand to be connected to the world, to be connected to other people, to understand there are a lot of people who are fighting off armies of mosquitoes. Second thing I learned is to accept. Ultimately, there are times, no matter what we did, we just could not beat those mosquitoes. They were too many. They were too persistent. And I hadn't learned this principle yet, and I'm still learning it. And that's the principle of acceptance. And acceptance is simply another way of saying, I'm just going to let go of this. I'm not going to try to beat off the mosquitoes because I can't. What I need to do instead is, I'm just going to be with this experience instead of trying to resist it. Easier said than done. But I've had bigger things since that night on the Galveston Beach. Bigger mosquitoes than, than that. And I am learning, if I can't beat the mosquito, how can I live with this experience? Instead of trying to resist it, how can I live with it and learn from it? And how can it help me be a more loving person, to love myself more and to love the world more. Mosquitoes have been around a lot longer than humans, about 170 million years, and I just need to learn to share. <laughs> Dalai Lama said this, another lesson, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. <laughs> Daniel and Devin gave other bad experiences. We were introduced to veggie burgers by my mother in Florida. Uh, the day that Daniel wrote this, that night, uh, guess what Denise and I were having for dinner? <laughs> veggie burgers. So I invited Daniel and Emily over, and they didn't accept the invitation. 
Daniel said the two-hour battery life on our Segas in the car. Devin said the silence in the car when we got in trouble. Devin said peeing on the side of the road and getting my feet swarmed by fire ants in Texas. To show you the difference between Devin and Daniel, peeing on the side of the road was a highlight for Daniel. <laughs> uh, we did that in the Smokies, and Denise took a picture of all three boys in the family peeing on the side of the road. I had my pants up, but the two boys had their pants down, so I didn't want to show you that picture. <laughs> and then Daniel said this, the philosophical discussions that got heated. Now, those philosophical discussions were not between Denise and me. Uh, the discussions were between my dad and me. Mother and dad took us to Florida and took us to the Smokies and a couple of other places. And then we'd go to Tyler, where Denise's parents lived, for a lot of family vacations. And, and those heated discussions were between myself and my dad. And then myself and Denise joined in on this one with her dad. And I didn't really realize that the boys were listening to those heated philosophical discussions. Author Thomas Littenfield says a road trip is a way for the whole family to spend time together and annoy each other in interesting new places. An aging mother said this to her daughter on a, uh, an ocean cruise. Honey, we love you, we adore you, but it's really hard to be around you. Denise and Daniel and Devin and I, honestly, unless my memories failed me, never really had relational stresses on our vacations. The philosophical discussions, however, were relationally stressful. And those, were, those happened because of me. I chose not to start the conversations but I chose how those conversations went, and they did not have to be heated. I hope I'm a more loving person and a more understanding person today than I was 20 years ago. And I would like to think that if I had those discussions today, and I do with the, her dad, uh, I'm, not very, I'm not as heated as I used to be. Pretty chill anymore. But I do regret that I had those. I regret that Daniel and Devin heard those. And it may have colored their view of me. It may have colored their view of their grandparents. And it may have confused them some. I asked them about that, and they didn't reply. So I'm not sure how to interpret that one. <laughs> I just think they were tired of talking to me, honestly. And that made me think other things that had I to do over again, and I do have it to do over again with new vacations, what would I have done different? And this is what I would do, have done different. If I had to do over again with the boys in vacation, so I encourage you to do this now, I would be more present with the boys. And I would uh, encourage the boys that when we would arrive at a new place, to listen to the sounds, the new sounds of this new place, and to smell the new smells. 
and to make new observations of, of something they've never seen before. I'd encourage them to journal their experiences of the day, their emotions experienced through the day, and their observations. I would just be more present with my surroundings and with the boys. And if I had it over again, I would lighten up a bit. One of the good memories for Devin, yes, was the gas station candy and the Dairy Queen ice cream. But then he added this. He would also remember that he needed to be careful not to make a mess in the back seat. I could be over the top about keeping a clean car. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I can't argue with her. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take that back. Maybe there were some stressful situations. <laughs> but every two or three hours, when we would stop at the DQ and the convenience store, we would add to that, let's clean out the car. And I'd get out the cleaner and clean the bugs off the grill and everywhere else. So, It'd take us a good hour at each spot. <laughs> now, granted, I wasn't as bad as some dads. In the middle of an argument on the beach, a dad was overheard yelling at his family, Damn it, I paid $10,000 for this vacation, and damn it, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> Or from this five-year-old kid named Max, It rained the entire vacation, and is my father mad? He says some things that people just aren't supposed to say. <laughs> And let me close with this. One thing Devin... I don't know why I'm so emotional today. And you're saying, well, it's another day. <laughs> you're emotional every day. Those of you in my generation who are empty nesters, what does it do to you when, when you reflect and your mind is flooded with images of the past? Even when more of those are good and bad, There's such a mix of emotion. Most of my emotions today are very joyful, very grateful, so happy with my childhood and that childhood that Denise and I provided with the boys. And this memory of Devin underscores the positive of that. This is what Devin remembered. I remember Mom got lots of foot rubs, and you, Dad, Got lots of neck rubs while in the van. So, Denise, I would normally drive, if not all the time in those days, drive. And in our minivan, she would put her feet over on my lap. And I'd drive and I'd rub her feet, you know. 
all the way to Florida. <laughs> and all the way to Florida or all the way to Texas, she had rubbed my neck. And in the middle seats of our Dodge Caravan, there was a little boy. And he was watching his mom and dad. And he was learning. He was hearing the communication, nonverbal, although it was, of affection and kindness and care and the joy that an old married couple can have just in the physical touch. And I'm so glad that one of Devin's memories is of an affectionate and a caring mom and dad. And I close with the wisdom of Dr. Seuss. Sometimes you never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. That's truth. And what I want us to all leave with today is you don't have to drive to Florida or to Texas or fly to California to make a memory. You do that around the dinner table. You do it in the backyard playing catch. You do it playing a video game with your kid. You do it by reading a book. You do it by kissing your partner. You do it by the small gestures of love every day. We all can make good memories. And that's what I leave you with.